Awesome. So we've been looking at revival culture and just want to just recap on, on where we've been and the journey that we've been on so far. Is that good with you? So Dr. Andre was here and he said this amazing statement, which has just been so in my heart. He said that the glory of a fish is to swim. The glory of a bird is to fly. And guess what? The glory of man is to be like God. Isn't that amazing? Guys, we were called to be like God. Do you know that's why you were born? That's why Jesus came, so that you can be like God. Isn't that awesome? Because we weren't called to live ordinary. We're going to be talking about that a lot more today. And then last week, Pastor Mike said some amazing things. He said this. He said that by patient endurance, inherit the promises of... It was actually not him that said that. The Bible says that. But he was reiterating that to us, right? <laughs> that sometimes we need to wait. Sometimes we need to wait for those promises to be seen and to be fulfilled. Some of the other things he was talking about was having an unreasonable faith. He talked about this, that the righteous live by faith. And if we know God and he's living in here, guess what? That's you. You are righteous. <laughs> and you're called to live by faith. And then he was talking about Acts chapter 2. And he said that there's, there's some things in there that the disciples started to do after the power of the Spirit had fallen. And these are some of the things that they started to do. They started to hear a new sound. They started to hear something different. They started to see hope. <laughs> Isn't that good? We've started seeing a lot of hope in our country in the last couple of weeks. I mean, we had a peaceful election, and there's just a hope in a lot of people's hearts that there's something that's going to be different. You know, that the baton's been passed to a generation where hopefully things will be different. Amen. And also there's the speaking of a new thing. There's a declaration that is on our lips that we're able to declare something new and something different. Amen. So today, I want to talk about faith and risk. And I feel like God said this to me when I started preparing. I feel like he said this. Faith and risk is all about the journey. It's actually about our outlook, and it's not about the outcome. And we so often measure things by the outcome and not by the outlook. <laughs> We're waiting for success, which we measure wrong. So it's not always right. And I want to say this, Isaiah 64, 1, I hope you can see that. Isaiah 64, 1 says, oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down. Do you know when that scripture was alluded to was when Jesus was baptized by John? It says that the heavens opened and that the Holy Spirit came down. In Acts chapter 2, what happened? The heavens opened and the Holy Spirit came down. And I want to say this to you. I'm going to make a statement to you today. I feel like for the believer, we are walking under an open heaven. And we have been for a really long time. Some of us don't know it. Do you know why? Because between this year and this year, there's a closed heaven. <laughs> That's where the heavens closed. The heavens are open for us. We got born again into an open heaven. But guess what? Sometimes between here and here, we measure success differently. Does that make sense to you? And so we're living in this place of, of doubt, and sometimes that's where that word risk comes in. So let's have a look. It's always good when you're starting to talk about two things, faith and risk, to have a look what those mean, right? So I think that's a pl good place to start. So let's have a look at this faith. This is often the scripture that is alluded to when we talk about faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. That word substance, have you ever thought about what it means? Guess what? I was reaching, I, it's always good to research when you're going to preach. And I was researching that word substance. And you know what it means in the Greek? It means 
title deed. It's a legal right. <laughs> Substance is the things hoped for. Guys, we've got a legal right. We've got a title deed in our hands. A title deed of hope. <laughs> Did you know that you had one of those? A legal right to hope. That's what you've got. Isn't that amazing? And we don't always realize that. We don't use it. It's like someone's given you a mansion and you've got the paper in your hand and you're not using it because we don't realize that we've got it. So that substance, that title deed of things hopeful, we've got it. It's in our hands. Isn't that exciting? I think it is. And let's carry on. It says, the, the substance of things hopeful and the evidence of things not yet seen. That word evidence talks about a conviction or an opinion. So a conviction of things not yet seen. That not yet seen, that word seen is the Greek word, Andrew's probably going to shoot me down because I'm going to say it wrong. It's blepo. Blepo. It's a good word, isn't it? I know. <laughs> it's a bit humorous. It's hilarious. And that word blepo actually means this, to see something physical with spiritual results. To see something physical with spiritual results. In other words, you're looking at something with these eyes, but you're not seeing it with these eyes. You're perceiving something different. You're perceiving something with spiritual results. And that's what, that, that's what faith is. Faith is having the legal right of hope, right? To see something physical with spiritual results. That's what faith is. Okay, and we've been given that. We've all been given that equal measure of faith. It's not like Jesus said, oh, I'm going to give some to Georgia. I'm going to give it a little bit, little bit less to Bianca, Mike, sorry for you. You know what I'm saying? It's like he gave all of us an equal measure of that stuff, an equal measure of the ability to do that. Isn't that great? And I forgot to use this. There we go. There's that word, blepo. It's amazing, that word. And this is the thing is that we compare this faith with a risk. Look at the definition of risk <laughs> and tell me if you feel like any of you are in this situation. The possibility that something unpleasant or unwelcome will happen. A situation involving exposure to danger. Something unpleasant might happen or an exposure to danger. Can I put this to you? I'm not going to say it in the Harry Nell style, but can I put this to you? That, <laughs> that if we know who we are, who are we? We are the righteous that live by faith. And we know what faith is. In our journey, is there actually anything unpleasant that's going to happen? Are we actually exposing ourselves to an element of danger in a taking a risk, in stepping out in faith? And I think this is the thing, is that often we step out of faith instead of stepping out in faith. We take a risk and we, and we try and do it outside of Jesus. So we might take a risk and we kind of go, okay, I'm going to do this. Well, hang on. I think you need someone with you. Like, Lord, we're going to do this. Step out in faith, not step out of faith. And that's where we feel like there's this risk thing that's going to happen. That's where we get scared. You know what I mean? Also, I think that we measure success very differently to how God measures success. We measure success in have we reached the end of our journey? You know, have we reached it? 
instead of looking at it in, this, in the sense of it's actually about the journey. It's actually about going step by step along the way. That's actually where success is. Success is actually just being obedient to Jesus. It really is. And we're going to have a look today at, um, at Acts chapter 3. I want us to have a look at a story of something that happened and just pull some of those things out and hopefully it will bless us. Amen. Before we start that, let's pray. It's always a good thing to do. Father, thank you for this morning, Lord God. Thank you for the gift of faith, Father God, that I know that you want to deposit in every single one of our lives, Lord. And Father God, we just commit this time to you this morning, Lord God. I ask that you would touch every person at their point of need, Lord God. And Father God, I thank you for your word, which is on my lips, Lord God. Let nothing that is not from you come out of this mouth in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, let's have a look and read this. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of those who entered the temple. I want us to look at this with these three people that are in this story. Peter, John, and the lame man. I'm going to start with the lame man. Not much is said about the lame man. This is what we know about him. We know that he was lame. Tells us that. Okay? You got that bit. Later on in Acts in chapter 4, it tells us that, um, that they recognized who he was and that he was over 40. So he was about 20 years older than me. And <laughs> we know this. Just picture this. His friends or family had carried him daily to the temple. Daily. His lot in life at this point of the story was to sit at the gate of the temple and to beg. That was his lot in life. His expectation in this moment was this, to try and get money from people so that he could survive and help his family. That's all. That's it. He was a very ordinary man. We don't know much else about him other than that. Sounds a bit desperate really, doesn't it? And then we hear about Peter and John, the two disciples in the story. Have you ever thought about who Peter and John were before this moment? So this is in Acts chapter 3. It's just after we hear about the account of the Holy Spirit whamming people, 120 of them in the room. And by the way, it was all of them. It doesn't say only 115 of the 120 got blessed by the Holy Spirit that day. It's all inclusive of everybody. Okay? <laughs> so that's a good point to remember. And these were two of them, Peter and John. Have you ever thought about these two? Peter is the same, this is the same guy, okay, who previously had said that he would not deny Jesus. <laughs> and what did he do? Not once. Didn't learn his lesson. Not twice. Three times he denied Jesus. Three times he said, I don't know that man. Three times he denied knowing him at all. This is the same Peter who tried to get in the way of Jesus when he was going to be crucified, and Jesus said this to him, get behind me, Satan. Like, like this is this guy's reputation. You know what I'm saying? And John, John, John's a bit, Peter also tried to walk on water. He tried, but it didn't work. He started to sink. So he's got a bit of a, a thing going on in his past, right? John, John, I think John created a bit of dissension between some of the apostles. His mother said to him at one point and alluded to Jesus, please will you seat John at your right hand? Now imagine if you're all friends 
and you're all buddies. And all of a sudden, one of these friends tries to put himself in this place of importance. Like, never mind the 11 of you. Put me next to your right hand, Jesus. Seat me here. What do you think that did to the other people in, of, of his friends? I'm, I'm pretty sure that they were fairly irritated. <laughs> they were like, who does this guy think he is? I'm going to be at his right hand. Never mind you. You know? So there was this dissension that was happening. Guys, let me tell you this. So often, we measure our success according to someone else's highlight reel. We measure our success according to someone else's highlight reel. We look at someone else's, what we think is just their normal every day, but they're doing so well. And we don't actually know what's going on behind the scenes. We only know about these guys behind the scenes because the Holy Spirit wanted us to know about these guys behind the scenes. Imagine if your story was in, I'm like, thank you, Lord, that my story isn't written in a book. <laughs> that someone else can see my behind the scenes. You know, we measure ourselves to someone else's highlight reel. And that's how we measure success. And that's not the right measurement of success. And we say things like this to ourselves. What if I fail? When I'm stepping out, what if I fail? What if I don't get the job? What if the person doesn't get healed? What if they don't say yes? You know, when Mike proposed to Bianca, what if she doesn't say yes? You know? Maybe my husband was thinking the same thing, but I said yes. But, you know, what if I don't get the promotion? What if my bank balance doesn't change? What if my mortgage doesn't get paid off? So we start thinking about these things and measuring our success according to these what-ifs. So my question to you is, what if it does work? What if the person does get healed? What if their leg does grow out? We had two legs yesterday growing out in our ministry team training. What if it does work? See, we measure success according to the stuff that's not right. At the outcome instead of the outlook. And I want to ask you this. <laughs> Never mind those quotes. Look at that picture. We'll get to the quotes in a minute. But look at the picture. There's a picture here of a goldfish in a bowl. And a beautiful lake. Imagine how many other goldfishies are swimming in that lake. And there's a goldfish stuck in a bowl. And I want to say this. Have you settled for just living in the bowl when you could be living out in that lake? What areas of our lives do we settle? Do we just kind of say, oh, well, that's my lot in life and that's where I'm going to stay? This lame man, I reckon he'd settled. I reckon he thought that that was his portion. That was his lot in life. Nothing was going to change. See, because we measure success according to the wrong thing. And I want to just briefly just say this. I, I, I'm here today to tell you that I settled in an area of my life. Until a year ago, I'd settled. I, um, my, I was born with a right arm that's veins don't work properly and a left arm that works great. And from the day I was born, I've been told things like, at some point, it's going to stop working. I'm still holding a microphone. Please note. Um, <laughs> At some and I can slap my husband. At some point, no, I don't do that. <laughs> at some point, your arm's going to stop working. Those are the words I heard. At some point, it's going to stop working. And this is the other thing I was told. You need to wrap yourself and your arm in a bubble because if you cut it or break it, you will die. 
it's never going to get better. And I'm here to tell you that I'm not 21. I'm a fortuner. And, <laughs> and, and my arm is still working. But you know what? Yeah, I'll give the Lord a hand. But the thing is this, is that I, I had to get to a place last year, and it was only last year, where I actually started to think that I'm actually going to choose again to risk, to believe that what God says is true. I actually had to do that. I actually had to say, Lord, I'm going to choose again today to believe you. I'm not going to choose to believe what those people say. And the thing is this, it took faith. Because guess what? If you look at my arms, they look different. This one, there's like if you look with these eyes, it's the same. Yet it's still working. So God must be doing something inside that I can't see. Because according to doctors, it's not meant to work anymore. So God's doing something, even though you can't see it. God's not passive. Nowhere in my Bible does it say that God is passive. And I want to just teach you three really important words. Are you ready for these words? They're very important. Very critical that you learn to say these three words. Maybe you should say them. I know, I know you don't like it when pastors do this, but I'm going to do it. Maybe you should say them after me. I don't know. They're revolutionary, aren't they? <laughs> Guys, so often when something doesn't look like it's working, we try to make a doctrine out of it. Why isn't it working? I don't know. There must be some hidden sin in your life. You know? Or maybe God was too busy with Mike, because we know Mike needs God to be busy with him. So maybe God was too busy here. So that day that you asked, he didn't hear you. You know? Maybe God was busy with, I don't know, saving people over there. So that day when you prayed, he didn't hear your prayer. That's not God. That's not who he says he is and who I know he is. So he must be doing something. He's not passive. He's not passive. Amen. Let's not get ahead of myself. So, <laughs> this is what I feel like success should be measured by. Obedience on the journey. Obedience on the journey. It's not about the outcome. It really isn't. I mean, you get that success mentality out of our heads. It's about the outlook. It's about being obedient on the journey. Amen. The next thing I wanted to have a look at, let's carry on with the story. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. This man is sitting at the lowest point in his life, day in and day out. And here we've got Peter and John on their journey to go and pray. It was sometime in the afternoon. And they're going along their way where they've been before. <laughs> By the way, so had Jesus been before. But I'll get to that in a minute. And I think that um, this word fixing brings us to a place where there's three people and their journeys are starting to collide. God gave me that word collide. And I want you to remember that word. Because our journeys often collide with other people. There were two ordinary men and one man who needed something. He thought he just needed money. That word fixing, you see, all of a sudden what's happening here is fixing his eyes on him with John. Okay? So all of a sudden, here we go. Peter and John walking past 
They'd probably walked past this man before, as had Jesus, because for 40 years he'd been laid at that gate. But here's a moment where Peter and John fixed their eyes on this man. What was happening? God was about to invade. An open heaven is about to happen. <laughs> okay? This word fixing means fixated. It means intense focus is what it means. So there's an attention happening here in a focal point. Okay? Look at us. Do you remember that word blepo I told you about at the beginning? This is the same word. That same word blepo. Seeing something physical but expecting supernatural results. Isn't this great? All of a sudden here we've got two men walking past and they, they are focusing on Jesus and they say to this man, look at us. Are they saying to this man, look at us? I'm the one who denied Jesus three times. Are they saying to the man, look at us? <laughs> I'm the one who caused dissension with my brothers, trying to be put first. They're not. They brought all of that journey to this place of saying, look at us, because God is about to do something. God is about to do something. You see, they remembered their past. They remembered where they'd been, but they also did this. They remembered the possibility of living in that open heaven that they just received. They remembered that possibility. Their outlook was something's going to happen. I think they looked at this lame man and they just thought to themselves, this guy can get up and walk because that's what my Jesus told me. So they're saying, look at us, <laughs> look at us, look at us. And this man also is expecting to receive something. We encounter people and we ourselves expect things. And sometimes what we expect is a lot lower than the portion that Jesus has for us. It's a lot lower than the portion that Jesus has for us. Don't settle. Don't be that fish <laughs> that's sitting in that bowl. Don't settle for less than what God's got for you. Because I think that if, if this guy knew who Peter and John were, he wouldn't be asking for arms. He'd be asking for legs. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Some people here got the joke. Thank you. I'll pay them more friendship fees at the end of the month. He would have been asking for a lot more than what he was asking for if he knew. So here's the thing. We know. We know who Jesus is. We read it. We see it. We've got the Bible. They didn't. They were still writing it. They were in it. We've got it. We've got the revelation of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. So are we asking for what we should be asking for and what we know we've already got? Or are we expecting less? Where's our focus on the journey is my question. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. See, it's not us that has to be the author and the perfecter of our faith. It's not up to us. <laughs> it wasn't up to Peter and John to be the author and perfecter of their faith in that moment. They just had to be in the right place and say, God, come and do something. They just had to be in the right place, focusing on the right thing in that moment, in an, on an open heaven. The next thing that we need to do on our journey is we need to give on our journey. Listen to what happened. Then Peter said, 
Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him. <laughs> Did you hear that? All the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging at the beautiful gates of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. What have you got in your hand? What have you got in your hand? I challenge us to think that we've got a whole lot that we don't use. <laughs> we've got a whole lot that we don't use in our hands. Because we're too afraid, because our version of success is not lined up with what God's version of success is. What have you got in your hand? Who are you seeing every single day? You see, I think that, <laughs> have you ever thought of this? Jesus walked past this temple gate to pray many times. This is the same temple gate that he walked through when he went into the temple and he started moaning because people were using the temple for the wrong thing. Had he walked past this man before? Because he'd been lying there for 40 years. Daily he was brought to that temple. I think that Jesus had probably walked past this guy a few times. So why hadn't he healed him? I think it's because he knew that one day Peter and John would walk past this man and it would mean more to us if we knew that two ordinary men, two fishermen, that's all they were, is two fishermen, used what was in their hand. And what was in their hand? The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is in our hands. It's on our lips. <laughs> so that's what we've got. So if nothing else, that's what we should be giving. And you know what? If we give that, we've given everything. We've given absolutely everything. People don't need more than the name of Jesus. That's all they need. All you need to have a revivaled life is to know the name of Jesus. That's all it is. And there was also um, action that was needed. Because it says there that um, Peter lifted him up. It tells us that. It says he lifted him up. And he said in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. There's an action that's needed. We actually need to do something. Knowing all of this stuff is great. In these four walls, it's great. And we feel all excited. And then we get out there. <laughs> and then we might be faithful for a day or two. And then what happens? We start looking at the outcome instead of the outlook again. And we start not giving. And God has commanded us, freely you have received, so freely give. And I want to say this, that I think one of the things that we need to learn about faith, and I heard this from Bill Johnson, is that we, we need to get to a place where our abiding faith, our daily dwelling in faith, is at a certain level. See, if I've got faith that when my printer at home doesn't work, which it didn't on Friday, am I going to lay hands on my printer? I tried to do that and it still doesn't work. But I'm <laughs> my abiding faith, my faith to believe for things in my everyday life, my faith to believe that when I wake up tomorrow, my arm's still going to work, my faith to believe that Tonight when I go to bed, I'm going to be more in love with my husband than I was this morning when I woke up. My faith to believe that my family 
are not going to phone me with any bad news today. An abiding faith. And our level of abiding faith needs to be at such that we get to this place of believing God for pretty much anything. That when there's a crisis, when there's a storm, our abiding faith level is high enough that the gift of faith can so easily just kick in and that we can then believe for more than where we're at in that moment. See, if we're going to see miracles, we need to have a gift of faith, right? So our abiding faith level, our day-to-day, everyday life level stuff, needs to be continuously injected with the life of Jesus so that when we get to that place of storm, because they will come, the Bible promises us that, thank you, Jesus, (laughs) that the storms will come, but when they come, that we've got ammunition, that we're ready, that that gift of faith can kick in, that it's not going to be like my arm falls off and I'm going to be like, oh, my word, what do I do now? That there's a gift of faith that can kick in that says, hang on, (laughs) I've read about this somewhere. I've got a journey. I've believed every single day that something great is going to happen. So now, Lord, is your turn (laughs) to just show up and do something miraculous. Hey, come on. It's exciting. Paul Johnson makes this statement. He says, I don't know if I put it on my notes. I didn't. He says this, that the Holy Spirit is in you for your sake. But the Holy Spirit is on you for other people's. See, and we've got both. We've got the Holy Spirit in us, and we've got the Holy Spirit on us. We're anointed to do this. We've got an open heaven to do this. That's what we are called to do, to just step out in faith. Because it's about the outlook, not the outcome. God's not measuring your success as to whether the person gets healed or not. He's measuring your obedience. If you walk past someone who's on crutches, are you going to pray for them? Or are you going to turn the other way? See, you've got something to give. What's in your hand? Maybe God, may, just maybe, God's waiting for that moment for you to kind of say to somebody else, Blepo, don't go and do that. Look at me. <laughs> Look at me. Silver and gold I don't have. But what I've got in the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, let your bank account be full. In the name of Jesus, I speak a job into your life. If you're in a board meeting, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to pray first. Because it's going to go better if we do. What have we got in our hands? And let's use that. Amen. So, just in wrapping up, this is something else that we need to do. We need to start building our journey. There's a story that we're going to have a look at. Why didn't it click? Oh, here we go. In Mark 8. So, Just to give you a bit of a background about where the scriptures before this is that Jesus had just been doing these awesome miracles. You know, feeding billions of people. There were loads of, I'm exaggerating, thousands of people. There were loads of baskets left over. Enough to feed more people were like the scraps under the table. And the disciples are in the boat with Jesus and they say this. First of all, Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the heresies, the, the Herod, of Herod and the Pharisees. So he's talking about beware of religiosity, beware of law, lawness, which was happening at that time, this legalism. And the disciples thought that he was talking about bread. <laughs> so he, he wasn't, but he kind of went with them and he said, okay. And then he said this, 
Why do you reason because you have no bread? Because that's what they thought. They thought they didn't have lunch. They thought they hadn't brought lunch with them. They thought that's what Jesus was talking about. And they're like, oh, no, you've got no food. You've got no bread. Just after they'd seen 4,000 people fed. They'd just seen this miracle, 4,000 people fed. And guess what Jesus said when they did the miracle? He said to them, you take it. You take what you've got in your hand, and it'll be multiplied. Jesus didn't hand it out. The disciples did. The ordinary men took it, and the bread multiplied. Now here they are sitting in the boat. Why do you reason because you have no bread? (laughs) Do you not see? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? And then he says these things. Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? See, we need to start taking note of what God's done. We need to start seeing what God's done. We need to start taking note of what God has said. And we need to start remembering. Not the bad stuff, not the things that haven't gone well, not the behind the scenes, but we need to start building our journey and remembering what God has done. Remembering the step-by-steps of faithfulness. Remembering when you asked for a hundred rand, you got a hundred rand. So that now then you need a thousand rand, you can pray for a thousand rand, believing because you got the hundred. See, my faith has grown even since yesterday because yesterday we prayed for two people and their legs grew out. So it's like I've seen legs grow out, now I want more. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want people with no legs to get legs. I don't just want to see legs grow. (laughs) See, my faith has grown since yesterday. You know, we, we say things like, I want to see hundreds of people healed. Well, have you prayed for hundreds of people to get healed? You want to see hundreds of people healed, you need to pray for hundreds. When people stand up and they say 500 people were healed at a meeting I was at last week, they don't tell you that 499 people weren't healed, but 500 were. We don't focus on what God is still doing, not what God hasn't done, because he's always doing something, but what God is still doing. We focus on what he's done. We see, we hear, and remember what God has done. Is that good with you? There's a guy called Carl Lentz, pastor of a church in New York, and he said this, We need to get rid of the words almost and someday. He says this, he's glad that Jesus didn't almost die. Or didn't say, someday I'll die for you. Stop waiting until you're ready and do what you're called for, is what he said. Stop waiting until you're ready and do what you're called for. Through faith's power, this is from the Passion Translation, Hebrews. Passion Translation is one of my favorite at the moment. It says, through faith's power, they conquered kingdoms and established true justice. Their faith fastened onto their promises and pulled them into reality. (laughs) Can your faith fasten onto the promises of God and pull them into reality? That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. That's where our faith is supposed to be fastening onto the promises of God and pulling them into reality. Blepo. Taking something physical that we can see with these eyes and bringing them into something else. Bringing that unnatural, that supernatural element to it so that we can see something different to what our natural eyes can see. It's another patient translation that says, I will stay close to you. This is a promise from the Lord. <laughs> Are you going to pull on this promise? I will stay close to you, instructing 
and guiding you along the pathway for your life. I will advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as your guide, with his eyes as our guide, not these eyes, okay? So don't make it difficult. <laughs> don't be stubborn. When I take you where you've not been before, don't make me tug you or pull you along. Just come with me. <laughs> Can we just go with God where he's going? Can we put our faith in that place of pulling promises into reality? Amen. Can I ask us all to close our eyes, please? Thank you, Father. Lord God, I thank you for just your promises, Father God. I thank you for the faith that you've given every single one of us, Lord God. I thank you that you've given us the ability to pull promises into reality. And Lord God, one of the biggest steps of faith, one of the biggest risks that we can take is probably to just say yes to you. And I just want to give people an opportunity to do that. If you've never said yes to Jesus before, if you've, if you've thought that maybe it's a bit too risky, you say yes to him. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that today. So if you're here and you'd like to take that risk, you'd like to listen to Jesus when he says, just come with, don't be stubborn. <laughs> when I tug you, don't be stubborn, just come along with me. If you're here and you've never ever said yes to Jesus and you'd like to do that today, I'd like to give you an opportunity to do that. Why don't you just raise your hand so I can see who you are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. Is anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Can I ask those two people to come up to the front and be brave? Can we all stand to our feet? Can I ask those two people who raised their hands to come up to the front just so we can pray for you? Don't be, don't be scared. This is your moment. <laughs> this is your moment. Come on up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Is there anyone else who wants to come up? Don't be scared. Come. <laughs> thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father God, I thank you for these two women, Lord God. I thank you for their saying yes today. I thank you for their saying yes today. And church, can we just say this all together? Father God, today I surrender my heart to you. I choose today to say yes. Cause me to be born again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, can we give these two a hand?